I'm Rob. I'm John. And this is the Mint One Podcast. Where we talk all things NFTs and the rise of blockchain gaming. So John, this week, Twitter has been a light. They have. There's been pseudo-swap, CCOs, all sorts of big news. Let's dive right into it. Right, episode... What episode is this? 35. 34. 35? No. <laughs> 34. No. No, it's 35. You're wrong. You're am, wrong. I, am I wrong? Oh, Brian Tronzo was 34. He was 34. Right. <laughs> ah. Good start. Strong start. I like that. Also, I mean, this is this is like the end of a podcast because we're just going off on complete random tangent. But uBlock Origin has blocked 617 things on this website since we started this call like 10 minutes ago. That what is Riverside up to? <laughs> What are they mining me for? Strange. Um, we're, we're big fans of the platform in, in general. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, for, for anyone who doesn't know, last week we had a, well, we as a group didn't. I personally had a, a technological issue where um, my office got haunted and I lost, I had a power surge probably because of the heat and I disconnected in the middle of the call and then the upload cancelled and I was just like, oh, we've lost half this interview with, with Brian and... Riverside was just like, no, don't worry. Calm down. I got you. <laughs> and got us it did. No, in fairness, I was I was shocked when I went to download all the clips and they were all there. The audio was there, video was mm. there, didn't lose anything at all. So Yeah. Yeah, that, big, crazy. Big, Very big, impressed. Big thumbs up for Riverside. But um mm. Yeah, um let's just get straight into the topic, shall we? So let's do it. there's a lot to talk about. There is. There's been um I think two main topics that have floated around the uh NFT Twitter, let's say, in this past week, uh, one mm. of which is PseudoSwap, which is a uh, brand new marketplace, effectively, which has said, hey, forget about creator royalties. Our marketplace doesn't have any. You play a uh, a 0.5% fee on every transaction, which just goes to PseudoSwap, and that's mm-hmm. the only fee you pay. So NFT creators will get no royalties at all for um for any of their pieces that are sold on the secondary market now that has had a uh let's say an interesting response <laughs> across the crypto space um new, new pretty much every personality you can think of has come out either well most people have come out against it but with a variety of different responses shall we call it so um mm. one of the leading ones was people of course who um i mean everyone listening to this podcast will know who people is but i would imagine for for a lot of people um, outside of Web3 who don't really know what NFTs are about, Beeple is likely to be the only name that they know, being as he sold the uh, most expensive NFT in history up to this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just going to read out his tweet verbatim on the topic. Um, he did a lot of follow-up tweets, but I think the first one is the most, uh, the most important here. Um, he says, and I quote, I think the creator royalty argument is actually a lot simpler than people make it out to be. There is zero way to force royalties technologically. So creators will have to build a collector base that wants to honor these royalties. It's really that simple. I mean, he goes on to talk about how he's actually in support of royalties, but, you know, it's a technological problem, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I mean, we talked about this briefly over Discord, but Mm. I pretty much just agree with his point of view. I think, yes, there is... There is technically no way to prevent what marketplaces like PseudoSwap are doing. So I think the the question is one of how the the fans of a creator value 
the you know the people behind that collection you know i think if you're building a tight-knit community that you know really wants to support you and your art then then sure i think you're some of your community may be more than happy to pay these creator fees but for example if it's a if it's a blockchain game then i don't know i think some creators if given the option to pay no creator royalties would probably take it hmm Hmm. It's a, it's a tricky one. So I, I think people are looking at the problem in the wrong way. Uh, so I, I agree for the record, I agree with what people are saying. Um, up to the point of saying it's not an issue with technology and you can't technologically force it. I think you probably can't perfectly, but there's, there's, I mean, what system's perfect without being gamed in some way or another? I don't think that's the metric, but I think we can still improve. And I'm being a bit facetious when I say this, but it's like saying we can't stop people from dying medically. So we shouldn't bother doing anything. Like, don't worry about it. Like we can still improve the situation and we can still ensure royalties better than we currently are. And and I, I think we can do more. That said, I think we, I think creators definitely should try and cultivate their own following. Um, and they should try and make a loyal following and they shouldn't flood their own markets with oversupply and, and ruin collections. 100% agree with that. But there's, there's no reason these two things can't coexist. And I think it's, it's important they do. And we should be looking at, at both sides of this coin. Um, yeah, it's, it's complicated. I've got a pretty extensive background in royalty payments and different um, creative licenses from my time as a photographer and it's a messy messy area that I I thought I was leaving behind um, <laughs> but has followed me into web 3 it I, I've spent years writing about court cases um, with different licenses and royalties not paid and it really it's a nightmare it's it's really messy but we'll, we'll come back to you know the CCO and, and stuff the different licenses in terms of what people said so what i didn't realize until just before this podcast is um people have been describing what pseudoswap are doing as a race to the bottom where it's just trying to get fees as low as possible until it's literally unsustainable for everyone that's doing it and i think that is absolutely correct i think that's exactly what is happening and there's a platform called solana art that's um competing with eden and they're now doing 0% market fee, 0% creator fee. And I, it's just a dreadful, it's just a dreadful idea. I, they, I think perhaps that they see it as like when people were creating Facebook and Twitter and the old school business guys were like, well, how are you making money? Well, like, oh, we're not, we're making a loss. We're just getting users. And they were like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You're never going to make any money. You're doomed. But I don't think it's the same. You can't just get users and, and, you're ruining the market here it's a marketplace and to remove so in our conversation i i perhaps didn't make it clear but i think there should be a market fee um it's i mean you're using a service that needs to be um secure above all which is difficult and expensive in web 3 and i mean in web 2 but in web 3 extra um extra difficult and extra expensive uh, there's, I mean, there's hacks happening weekly and marketplaces are going to get hacked. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just feels inevitable. So 
there should definitely be marketplace fees. And I, I don't, I don't applaud a marketplace for removing their fees. I think that's a stupid idea. Yeah. And no creator fee. Well, yeah, this is, that's what the whole episode's about. And I, I think it's generally a bad idea to remove royalties, but solving the problem is going to take a while. And this, this could be another one of those episodes where we end going, <laughs> yep, well, that's it. We don't know. Well, I think as a collector, you've got to frame it in this way. If they're not charging me any fees, where are they getting the value from me? Now, if you look at how Facebook mm. rose in 2005, 2006, like I said, they didn't charge anything for you to use a platform. Mm. How did they make the money? Well, they sold your data and then advertised yes. everything to you. And for the most part, they still advertise, you know, they, they follow your, your cookies and your data and they will target ads towards you um, that they think you'll engage with. And yeah. I think if you're looking at a marketplace which is saying, hey, we're not going to charge any fees, then I automatically think, well, what, what are they doing? They have to be doing something to make money. Otherwise, they wouldn't have a marketplace. You know, they wouldn't be able to keep it running. Mm. So so what are they doing? Are they, are they just using the influx of users that um, the 0% royalty fee decision has made to to kind of sell advertising to third parties? Are they capitalizing on data in any way? There has to be something in it for the marketplace to make these decisions. And mm. in any case, I think it, the end user is fundamentally worse off with their data being used in ways that um, might not be, well, let's just say that they're, they're not the, the best the best ways from a, from a consumer point of view. Like we don't want our data to be used in those ways. Not really. Mm. I would much rather pay like a, I don't know, 2% marketplace fee than have that marketplace then use every single piece of data they have on me to, you know, target me with ads or share with third parties or to, you know, that's, and I, I'm not sure what Pseudoswap are doing. I've not looked into it, if I'm honest, but I think people who are, you know, diving into Pseudoswap and thinking, oh yeah, I get to save on fees. I would take a, a good hard look at what else they're getting from you as part of that. Mm. I, and I, I think they're possibly undermining the people who populate the marketplaces. So by betraying the creators, which they are doing, the creators are, I don't think you want to make enemies of the very people who are creating the products you're selling. No. I mean, Pseudoswap isn't quite that, but the, I mean, Solana Art is, they they are a marketplace selling art on Solana that is actively trying to hurt the artist. I, there is there is a counterpoint to this, I think, which is, um, I was going to get into this later, but it kind of fits here about pricing mm -hmm. and how artists have traditionally been dreadful uh, at pricing their work yep. and they don't work out their costs. They don't work out... Um, their own value and how long they spent doing something and, and you know, what they're expecting to get out of it. And, and if you miscalculate these things, it, it can be damaging. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a great story about this and it's a photography story, but it, it kind of fits here rather nicely. So, uh, you, you're probably familiar. Oh God, if you're not familiar, I'm going to be so angry. Uh, you're probably familiar with the windows XP image of the green hill with the yes. blue sky, yes, right? Of course. God, I didn't know if there was the age gap was going to cause a problem there. I'd have been so angry. Um, so that was shot in California by a guy called Chris O'Rear. And um, he sold that for, it was a hundred and something thousand dollars to Microsoft for that. It, it was six figures. Mm -hmm. uh, little 
funny aside is they made that deal and then it was shot on film because it was like 1996 they did this mm -hmm. and it was shot on film so they needed the physical photo and when he tried to send it to the microsoft office in seattle uh, fedex refused it because they said it's too expensive and they thought they'd hurt it or lose it so he had to fly with it in his hand luggage and deliver <laughs> it by hand at, at the seattle office anyway wow. um so that's the most viewed photograph in history mm -hmm. kind of by default yeah um i, I mean it's a, it's a good photograph but it it's you know it got that accolade through unusual means mm -hmm. so he um at least definitely north of $100,000 for that photo. Yep. Now, there's another guy who doesn't really get much coverage called Peter uh, Burian, I think it is, or Burian. Mm -hmm. And he took a picture. You, you probably have seen the picture, but you may not remember it. It's an autumn scene with like a bench and tons of orange leaves. It was taken in America somewhere. And it was one of the alternative backgrounds that you could use for Windows XP. Okay. And... It has probably been seen several billion times, um, except he submitted this image to a stock website, uh, the same stock website where Chris O'Rear had uploaded the image that was used as a Windows XP uh, flagship image. Mm -hmm. So it's the same website, but they use different licenses. And Peter Buren used the what's known as royalty free, which is where you um, don't earn royalties from your image, but you th they pay a one-time fee. And he earned a total of $45 wow. for that image. So it, it goes to show how, how poorly these things can go for you if you don't put thought into it. Not that, I mean, nobody could predict the sort of singularity of being picked up by a, a operating system that ends up being the most used operating system in history. Sure. But the problem is uh, photographers of all kinds and artists are basically the same creatures and we are we have been traditionally horrendous at, at pricing models and working out how to make money out of things mm -hmm. and the counter argument to removing royalties is increasing the base price yeah but then you end up pricing people away from it and i just think royalties in general are a better system for for the artists and it and the royalties we're talking just they they're not that much. Did it? Did I read that Beeple set his at ten percent originally? Uh, I'm unsure. I know that is high. I know he still has uh, obviously creative royalties on all of his NFTs. I'm, I'm unsure what they are he at does, the moment, yeah. but but yeah. So I think so. I think his was at one point ten percent, which is <laughs> uh, really. I mean, that is quite high. Uh, but the lower the lower fees we're looking at. So I think. Open C is 2.5%. What's is atomic hub two, 2%, 2%, right. Um, and then obviously the collectors can set their own royalty like percentages, yep. but the big ones, nobody really sets them. Nobody's been exploitative with it. Like the, the big one, me bits was the, I think the highest I saw, which was 5%. Mm -hmm. Um, board apes was 2.5%. I mean, th these aren't large percentages. Uh, I looked at to board apes, Last week, a seven-day average had an average sale, uh, the average sale price of $115,000. So the royalties were $2,875 per sale. There aren't that many sales. No. I mean, and this is the pinnacle. We're talking about the pinnacle. Board Apes are right up there with the most desirable NFT collections. And 
if you made a handful of sales, that's not crazy money. I mean, it's, it's a lot of money, but not when you think you're, they're in the stratosphere. They are the, mm-hmm. the one percenters and they're, you know, they're not earning crazy amounts. And Mebits, their average sale was $5,900. So they were only earning $295 on a 5% um, royalty fee. So yeah. I just don't think it's, it's a lot of money. And I don't, I don't really understand why people are so against paying it. Mm-hmm. Particularly if you want to support someone, I think it's um, I, I think it's a kind of a trait that's come across from Web two. It's like if I can get something for cheaper, I will do. And mm. I, I mean, I can understand that. I think in general, if it, you know, if I was on Amazon and I was like, hey, I can, I can buy this, I don't know, radio. Who the hell buys a radio in twenty twenty two? Anyway, <laughs> oh, um, if I if I could buy, buy this wireless, <laughs> if I could, I could buy it for fifty, uh, let's say forty five British pounds. Or I could, uh, I could uh, pay fifty pounds for it, but the the person who made it gets five pounds. I don't care. I'd rather get it for forty five pounds. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd rather yes. pay that money. Um, and I think I, I've seen a couple of um, a couple of creators frame or try and justify high creator royalties on the secondary market um, by kind of ridiculing those that set it low and saying that they're kind of devaluing their art or you know if people aren't happy to pay those fees and you know they don't respect the artist i don't think that's the case at all i think uh, again to go back to what people said you have to give your collectors a reason to want to pay that fee i mean on on wax um creator fees can be set anywhere between zero and 15 percent i've seen some creators set them at 15 percent and they're fully within their uh, remit to do that but i don't think they can then complain if they're not getting a lot of secondary market traction mm. because i can fully understand a collector being like i don't want to pay a 15 percent fee to you to to get this nft i think a creator can charge that if they'd like to but that doesn't mean a collector has to pay it and it that yeah. could directly affect a uh you know a purchasing decision i know on a, on atomic cup if you go through rui you can only set your creative fee i think it's between two percent and six percent um, yeah. You can only do it up to 15 if you go to a block explorer and do it manually. And we as a company did that in the knowledge that, you know, I think we we said any, any creator fee higher than 6 p.m. isn't really fair to the purchaser. You know, mm. if if Bored Ape were taking 6% of, you know, sales over $100,000, then they go from making $2,000 per secondary market transaction to, you know, six, seven, eight thousand dollars $8,000. And I, I, I think there's there's fairer ways for a creator to make um to make a uh well to make their living from their art than, than through than through that method um but that again that's not to say that i i agree with what pseudoswap are doing which is eliminating creator royalties entirely i think you need to mm. balance uh, or creators need to balance what they need to continue doing their art um on a, a full-time basis or whatever basis they want to do in the nft space and what is most fair for their collectors. I don't think, maybe you disagree with me, but I don't think a, a creator can necessarily say, I'm going to charge a 15% creator royalty fee and this is a totally fair thing to do. I think there's, I don't think collectors will necessarily uh, agree with that. No, I, I think it's, a, I, 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 can't, um, I can't think of a reason why you would do that because even if you lowered the fee, the initial sale fee, mm-hmm you still just it won't it just won't resell i i can't look i wouldn't i wouldn't pay 
But you know, if you imagine doing on Atomic Hub with 15%, you, I, I'm not willing to lose 70, 17% of my sale um, in fees. Yep. And so, I, I, yeah, I definitely don't agree with that. I think there is an argument for a situation in which you could have 0% royalties. And that is, and this has been conflated in this debate massively. And that is NFTs with utility, where gaming NFTs, I think having a 10% royalty on a gaming NFT would, is, is ridiculous. I, yeah. I think that that needs to be low or nothing really if trading is important to that game's ecosystem. If you're moving things often and a, and a high volume of NFTs for a game, it doesn't make sense um, mm -hmm. to have royalties in that. I think that'd be classified as greed really. Yeah. And you want to get that down as low as possible to incentivize people to actually, um, you know, interact with your NFTs as often as possible rather mm -hmm. than, you know, limiting people. And uh, that has been an area that's been, the, I tell you what, the only person I saw that was discussing this <clears throat> was, um, hang on, I've got it in my notes, uh, Aiden Au at AU. I'm not, I'm probably butchering mm -hmm. that. Um, but he's from the block, uh, not like Jenny, but <laughs> the publication. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he called royalties in NFTs a social concept, um, yeah. which... I broadly agree with it. It just comes back to the Beeple thing. I, yeah. He's right at the moment because you can circumnavigate it so easily, but I don't think it has to be just a social concept that we have to respect. But okay. what he said is that uh, NFTs with utilities, and I think he was talking about gaming, um, royalties may disincentivize trading. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. C couldn't agree with that more. I mm -hmm. think that would be a bad way to go. But when it comes to art, typically the art is the only income stream it is the revenue stream so they don't have you know subscriptions or um pack sales or game sales or you know they, they don't have anything else they have their art and the resale of their art yep. so or, or music or you know not just art it's anything you're creating so uh, i do think they are distinct yeah well i think for a game in order for the finances to make sense of them to have low secondary market fees to incentivize trading, you need to sell some sort of access NFT. Um, I'm not mm. saying we, uh, that's not to say I'm endorsing these ridiculous projects that saying, hey, you need to buy this $2,000 NFT to play this game. But mm. I think for, for the financials to make sense from a project point of view, let's say if the NFT was $30 to access a game, cool, fine. And then, you know, set a low secondary market um secondary market cost fees uh, and that would incentivize trading i think that's when when creators are often talk about the the percentage that they're getting from secondary market fees i think a lot of them fail to or fail to take into account um the impact on the person selling their nfts like for example on wax yep. if you can set your creator fee to 15 percent, if i'm selling one of your nfts and let's say you set a 15 percent creator fee i'll pay two uh, two to wax i'll pay two percent to the marketplace i use then if I sell that NFT for 100, 100 wax, I'm then only getting about 80 wax for that. Mm. And that makes a lot of the reasons why people buy and trade NFTs, for example, to make a profit. You know, that's usually, or that's one of the top reasons people buy and sell NFTs. It makes it all the more harder to do. So it's going to decentivize 
people actively buying into your collection, selling NFTs from your collection, and on the other side, for, for people wanting to purchase your NFTs as well. They're like, well, hey, I've now got to deal with giving away 20% of the value to this NFT to, to a third parties. So why would I why would I do that? Um, around the uh, crypto Twitter, there's been a, a whole lot of debate on this discussion from a, a couple of couple of big names. Um, Andrew Wang, who is uh, one of the people behind Devotion XYZ, just put up a, a tweet saying, how do we feel? Uh, and then had uh, some interesting responses. But we had some more in-depth ones for some people in the space. So um, Matt Medved, who is the uh, the founder and the um, kind of the editor-in-chief for NFT Now, the media site, uh, put out a tweet saying, uh, 0% royalties are a non-starter. We're not going back to Web2 <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then he followed it up with a tweet saying artists deserve to be pay- paid in perpetuity. Uh, I think in his, the, the way he's framing that argument and what NFT now covers the most is art NFTs. And I think on, on that basis, I completely agree with him. I think um, it does get more complicated when you talk about games. Um, mm. I, I don't think it was necessarily including those in his statement though. Um, Drift, um, who lately has just been, he's a, he advises on a load of NFT projects, but lately he's just been taking pictures of himself on top of bridges around the world, but that's beside the point. Um, he just put out a tweet <laughs> saying, zero royalties, these nuts. So I think it's very well, clear um, yeah, on what his thoughts are. Uh, I, I need to mention this because it's one of my favourite bands. Um, Since the Gates, who is the guitarist for Avenged Sevenfold, who, uh, funnily enough, have a 10,000 piece PFP project on ETH, um, wrote a tweet saying he agreed. Like, gave his... Uh, gave his uh, his reasoning for that, but um, no, but he he agreed in zero percent. Uh, well, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. So Drift was saying zero royalties, these nuts, as in like I disagree. Oh right, he disagreed. replied to that. Yeah, he replied to that, <laughs> being like, okay, yeah, I, I agree with this statement, blah blah blah. And um, yeah, <laughs> the the best comment I saw was from D uh, Gentraland, who is a kind of a industry kind of commentator. He holds a board ape, holds a doodle. <laughs> and his tweet was simply, this 0% creator royalties conversation is the dumbest news cycle ever. Go enjoy your weekends, which is... Mm. <laughs> a lot of people thinking... are blunt on this. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's driven up a lot of um, a lot of heated opinions on either side. And I think he was just trying to defuse the situation, let's say. But well, I think he's kind of got a point. I mean, if people... Pseudoswap has seen increased traction lately, but nothing to like break the fundamentals of Web3. I think if Pseudoswap continues to not get any traction, it's not as big of an issue as I think some people are making it out to be. Yeah, I I wanna I wanna play devil's advocate because that's fun. Um I'm not sure I'm not sure I believe in this at all. I really am just playing devil's advocate. So I, I've earned um royalties. I've had royalty contracts. I had a contract my longest standing contract was one with the California greetings card company that used a picture of my mum's poodle oh. um, in, a, on a, in a get well card. I put it in a rain mac and then sprayed it with a hose. <laughs> it's okay. It's good. He, was, he was a good dog. He, he liked water. It's fine. Um, and basically they put it on a get well soon card and that sold for years and I earned royalties off it. Hmm. But the reason I'm bringing this up is the reason that I earned royalties was because there were the image I had created was being used for a purpose and the purpose was making someone money. That's why I was getting paid in royalties. Yeah. With art, it isn't being used for any, it isn't being used to make money. It's mm-hmm. being enjoyed. 
Yeah. And it's difficult to think of another example outside of the arts where you create something for just, you know, use, but not to make money from it. Yep. And resales generate uh, royalties. Like, you know, if I made a handmade sofa and sold that on Etsy, I'm not getting any money the next time that sofa goes on Facebook Marketplace. Like, no. so I'm, 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 still, I'm not sure where I sit on this. It just occurred to me and I fancied playing devil's advocate for a <laughs> bit. Um, in, in photography, royalties has traditionally been, or how most people have earned royalties is when people are using things to make money. So yep. for example, like Bored Apes just gave away all creative control. And um, so the owner of that, board ape can just use it for whatever they want mm -hmm. if that had been a slightly different contract where wherever you use it you have to pay a certain amount of your profits back to them that would be a more traditional royalty contract although that's a bit open because you could use it for anything but you know uh, if it was narrower it would make more sense but what i can't i i feel like there's something i'm not quite getting with why art deserves to have royalties always on resales. Now I, I support the, I, you know, I've got a background in the art, so I support the artists and I really am playing mm -hmm. devil's advocate. I want artists to prosper in web three. And I think they're very important to it. Yeah. But I don't think it's an unfair point to say you don't need it pr price better and then don't have any resale fees and, and royalties on I, resale fees. I think it's a very fair point. I think ultimately I think it should be down to the creator. And I know a lot of creators will be like, yeah, of course I want to earn fees. But if for whatever reason they want to set it to 0% or happy with a, a marketplace not giving them their fees and they should have the, they should be able to say so. I think that's that's what most people's problem with PseudoSwap is, is they don't need any consent from the artists themselves to not give Absolutely. them any creator fee, which yeah. is fundamentally against what most people's understanding of the ethos of Web3 is. In that everybody gets paid fairly, creators get paid fair, you know, fairly for their work. They get fair royalties, blah blah blah. And circumventing that is, um, yeah, it, it strikes at the heart of of what blockchain technology and this culture is is supposed to be about. Um, I think uh, what I'll add to that is if you look at the all the big blue chip collections nowadays, you know, your your bored apes, your punks, your doodles, etc. A lot of those didn't initially sell for 50 ETH, 60 ETH. A lot of them sold for 0.08 or like 0.1 ETH or comparatively mm. low amounts of money. And I don't think they in their wildest dreams could have thought that these collections were going to now have a market cap of, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, so... I, I think I, I wouldn't, I, and I think if those, if when those NFTs first came out, if they're like, "Hey, here's a picture of a monkey, pay me one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for it," hmm. people would have told them to get lost. But yeah. it's it's the culture and it's the community and the way that they've cultivated a, a kind of a, a following and an element of coolness around these assets that's given them this value. And I think that's where a lot of artists, especially coming into the Web3 space, don't really understand valuation. A lot of the value behind art NFTs in particular is usually nothing at all to do with the art. It's 95% or more to do about, well, if not the utility, which let's be fair, is a fairly sizable percentage of this when it comes to board apes and doodles, etc., is the culture behind those communities. 
Um, there was a tweet from Decentraland, I think, earlier this week, and that was something along the lines of um, the two things he looks for in any um, upcoming or brand new NFT collection is strong culture and uh, VC backing from like reputable VCs. And if a project mm. has those two things, then it's going to do well. And if it doesn't, then it won't. Um, I think that's fundamentally that's the one thing that creators need to focus on when it comes to their NFTs. They need to develop a good culture. If you develop a good culture, then your assets go up in value. Then you can lower your creator fees, for example, but you'll still be fairly paid if your assets um, have an increased floor price. Or, and we can get on to this in a second, is uh, the CC0 um, licensing standard, which has, I believe, um, helped to kind of let's say shore up the the floor prices for all these blue chip collections that are choosing cc0 so the, hang on let's just get into it now so yuga labs who own uh, board apes and uh, recently acquired cryptopunks um they have a cc0 license on uh, on those two collections i know there's uh, a few other nft collections that, that have it as well but those are the two biggest ones what is um cc0 so that is what it effectively means is no copyright reserved so if you purchase a board ape, for example, you can do whatever you like with it. You don't need the permission of, um, of Yuga Labs. Um, you know, you don't need to pay them any kind of fee. If you want to take that board ape that you own and create, you know, mugs with that board ape on or sell merch or create a game based around that, uh, that ape or do anything else creatively with that board ape, you can do it, um, without, the Uglabs team being able to do anything about it. And we've seen um, with Bored Apes, um, some people in the community do incredible things with the apes that they own. Um, off the top of my head, you've got people like Jenkins the Valet, who has uh, created, a, well, written a book, and also has uh, this metaverse project he's building on, uh, and a few other things he's working on that are basically just all based around this ape that he owns. Uh, we have Bored Ape Wear, which is a, uh, a merchandise company, that's basically just um, spoken to a number of ape holders and licensed the, the apes that they hold to sell merch. Um, we have, was it Seth Green who owned a board ape and was going to make a TV show about it and then it got stolen? Oh, so there was something something like that. Um, I think it was, I think it was the NFL. Was it the NFL? It was some sort of American sports league that has uh, kind of, they now have a, a board ape player or they signed a board ape i'm not quite i didn't read into i'm not quite sure how that works but that was only um able to be done because the holder of that ape was able to go and create that um arrangement with mlb and didn't have to go and ask yuga for permission um and i think ccos or cc zeros rather give the holders of nfts a lot of a lot of creative power and in fairness a way for them to make an earning off of the nft that they hold this is in the case of board ape is very beneficial to to yuga because if the the holders of board apes are creating all these little side projects and all these cool metaverses and other things they're doing then it helps give um board apes in general you know it, it shores up their value it's like you know these these are valuable assets people are making sorts of really cool side projects with them um and we there was some interesting um interesting comments 
on uh, on Twitter around that when it came to uh, when it came to the announcement that CryptoPunks were going to become a CC zero. Um, one of the most um, kind of virulent ones in opposition was from uh, Pranksy, who is a fairly well known kind of artist and, and commentator. Uh, I'm just going to quote his tweet. He said, uh, so what exactly is the point of owning an NFT under a CC0 license compared to, say, having it right-clicked and saved on my PC? I don't even want to get into that point. Um, he said, I want my ownership represented either under commercial or personal use rights. I don't want, for example, extremist groups using it and having no grounds to fight. And then uh, Fubar, who is uh, another fairly well-known industry commentator replied with blockchains are fundamentally censorship resistant imagine thinking that censorship slash ip is a natural state of things uh quote what's the point of my nft if i can't sue people end quote is so out of touch with crypto ethos not sure where to start i kind of get where pranks is coming from let's say worst case scenario for for yuga labs if somebody bought a board ape and had um intends to use it for nefarious purposes Yuga doesn't have any recourse to stop that under a CC0 mm-hmm. license. So I completely agree with what Pranks is saying, but I also agree with Fubar in that it's it does seem again non-crypto, non-web3 for a, a central entity, in this case Yuga, to dictate how their NFTs be used. It's a very difficult conversation to unpack because there's so many things that affect this it's um the effect this has on the creator the effect this has on the price of the assets the effect it has on the holders and the value of the nfts that they have um possible nefarious uses of um, nfts held under a cc0 license i've just spewed a lot of words at you (laughs) um so what what is your general kind of macro level thinking around cc zeros so cc zeros uh, are complicated they, they became popular in photography um rather unexpectedly because people saw that they were a strong way of getting brand and by brand i mean the photographer uh, yeah. exposure and that it would often lead to paid work i haven't seen any real evidence for that but that's why it was popular and still is popular in photography. Stock websites used to be a way you could make steady income. I was a Getty photographer um, and I used to make money through Getty mm-hmm. and and it got less and less and less and then I just gave up. And I know a lot of people that have, that have done that. Stock imagery, free stock. I mean, you and I both use Unsplash, which yep. they're actually morally not great or they don't have a great history um morally but uh pexels p-e-x-e-l-s is another one uh but so there was a few things i thought while you're talking firstly before i forget this your counterpoint to uh royalties for artists uh, and me saying should they get it and you brought up um the price increase of nfts i think that's a great counterpoint for um because uh, it's like a hedge against the volatility of crypto. So I thought that was mm-hmm. a, re- a really, really strong point in with NFTs particularly. And at the moment, I think that makes perfect sense. Anyway, I just didn't want to forget that. So CC zeros. Um, there's. I'm going to ask you some questions because there's some there's some things I don't. I'm just holding my lens cap. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, so there's some things I don't understand about CC zero with uh, board apes. Okay. So CC zero. Unless, unless I'm mistaken, and I didn't think I was, but CC0 means public domain. 
it means you're waiving your right to copyright. So you are putting your work into the public domain. Yes. Now this is this has typically been used by things of historic re- relevance, cultural relevance. P- uh, libraries often do it with huge collections of work. Um, particularly, art museums do it mm-hmm. so that people can see and enjoy huge bodies of work um, for free. Yeah. Now, we keep saying, and I've been saying this as well because I was under this illusion that the owner of the board ape can do what they want with it. Yes. But if it's CC zero anyone can do what they want with it yeah so as i understand it and i might be wrong if if i am incorrect and somebody please reach out to me after this podcast and let me know but uglabs has put board apes under a cco which means they they effectively relinquish all of their rights to how board apes can be used mm-hmm. however every one of the ten thousand board apes is an nft and each one of them has an owner therefore the owner of that board ape can choose to license it and use it however he wants. Ergo, if a third party was to take a board ape that is held by somebody else, they are within their remit to go after that person and prevent it from being used. That's my understanding. I might be wrong, but I believe that's the, um, that's the case. Well, you're right on, um, with a CC zero, you can change the license. So someone can, um, well, no, it's complicated actually because – so with the CC0, let's say I took the, the photo of Monty, the poodle, um, yeah. that was getting rained on. <laughs> let's say I put that up um, under CC0 on Pexels and you downloaded it and you decided to Photoshop his yellow rain Mac to a red rain Mac for your brand. And you could then – under CC0, you could then change the license of the red Mac picture mm-hmm. – to whatever you want, you could have a full creative control. Yep. Now, what I don't understand, or do I? Maybe I do understand it. Um, <laughs> this is complicated. <laughs> so uh, this is one of the reasons that I, I really didn't want CC licenses coming in because there's a ton. CC0 is one of about seven. Yep. There's like, and they all have different, slightly different things about whether you can publish it, whether attribution is required, whether you can use it for commercial use. Uh, whether you can modify it, whether you can change licenses, things like that. So um, CC0 is the only one where you can basically do whatever the hell you want and no yeah. one can do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So the owner of the NFT, I don't understand how they have any say, like why I can't, not that I agree with that guy that was saying right-click save, but um, why I couldn't right-click save his NFT and, and make a T-shirt. I, that guy that did the merch, I don't understand why he couldn't just do all the board Apes because they haven't modified anything. They haven't changed it. Yeah. This is where my confusion is. Yeah. And I don't entirely think I have the answer to this. Yeah, I don't well, I don't I, expect you to. I'm just talking well, through my What I think is a lot of the Yugas use CC CC zeros, and I think um there's a couple of other projects that have used CC zeros as well. But I don't think what CC zero actually allows you to do and what these companies like Yuga are actually wanting from the license are are one and the same. I actually think they they probably should create a new license standard for these images, which is like the holders of these NFTs can do whatever they like. But as far as I understand it, there isn't a Creative Commons license relating to who owns NFTs at this point. But as I understand it, that's how Yuga are intending to use it. It's, hey, holders of these NFTs can use board ape imagery however they like, but mm. 
people who aren't holders can't. But that's not what that's, that sounds like. Ro- no, that's royalty free. Yeah, that's royalty free. That's what they did with the Microsoft image. Mm-hmm. You pay a one-time fee and you get complete creative control over yeah. that image. I've I've sold images um, royalty free, and yeah. that. <laughs> but then, <laughs> then you'd be calling it royalty free, but the yeah. royalties are set at two point five percent. So it's not it. it <laughs> <laughs> this is this is so messy. But yeah. but it's but this is the discussion we need to have. This is this is interesting and um, creative. I mean, it's an it's honestly creative. We there's a lot we do not want to bring over to Web three yeah. with these creative licenses. I can tell you categorically, I have seen everything and reported on a number of things in photography particularly like five ten years ago when i was writing very regularly about the legal side of photography mm-hmm. and um i wrote you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little boast here i wrote a um a uh edu- like a sort of um it wasn't really an educate it wasn't intended as an educational piece but it was kind of um similar in scope it was a very large piece on copyright and plagiarism in photography okay. and that's now on a photography syllabus in the university in the US. Um, so I, I've spent a long time boring myself with this stuff. And it is boring, just for the record. Oh, yeah. oh of course. Um, very, very boring. But it's such a messy area that people don't know what to do with it. Um, and the legal cases are like flipping a coin. Sometimes you think, well, that's a, that's a dead cert. The artist has been wronged. And it, and it rule, they rule against them. And then sometimes they award damages. And you think, well, what? Like, you gave away most of your copyright and now you you're kicking up a fuss and somehow you've won. And we've seen that there's also really messy things with, um, you may not have seen this, but, uh, there was an amazing, this is kind of off the point, but I don't care. It's coming in. Uh, there was an amazing, uh, legal case in photography in the U S that lasted a couple of years where a guy for national geographic set up a tripod in the jungle. Um, and a, monkey went up to the camera that was on the tripod yep. and pressed the shutter and took a picture of himself and it went to court over over whether the monkey owned the <laughs> photograph or he did because he didn't take it and, and this like it, it was a long court case and in fact it the rule i think it, the ruling they appealed the ruling twice or it, it lasted forever mm-hmm. um but this is how messy copyright can get and mm-hmm. I, I really think we want to avoid as much as possible and keep it either completely open or completely closed in terms of what we do with nfts i don't want to see seven different cc licenses because <laughs> it, it's it, it's a nightmare like as so i've had a maximum of like 80 writers working under me at any one time mm-hmm. and each writer is writing about photography and they're using stuff they're using images and i'm constantly having to check whether they've got the permission to use it and they have to now submit written permission and then there's the whole fair use thing which we're not going into on this podcast because it's <laughs> I can't, I can't. Oh, look, there's a button that says mark clip. Maybe I can mark this. You can bleep it out. Um, it's <laughs> click. Yeah, I marked it. There you go. You can bleep that out. Perfect. Oh, I love Riverside. Um, yeah, fair use is just an, another way of circumnavigating uh, copyright and, and it's just crazy. But these CC0 licenses and NFTs, I'm going to need somebody with some like real expertise in, in the subject to to unpack it for me because right now it ju- it doesn't make sense to me i don't know what owning the nft changes unless it's a royalty free license not cc0 yeah and then and then it makes sense because well apart from the bit where you get royalties <laughs> I th- this is awful i think the whole and i, I agree with you we're not going to discuss it in this podcast it could be probably two three four different podcasts in and of itself but the, the issue of fair use in in the art of nfts is 
difficult and it's one that i've mm. i've discussed this week with with someone on the atomic hub team it's a topic we've discussed and beaten to death over the last couple of months as what exactly consists of fair use um yeah I, I can't speak for other marketplaces but i know of at least two examples um in the wax space where ip holders have gone after nft collections and said hey you need to take this down and the creator has thought that they had fair use <laughs> to, uh, to create the NFT I, that whenever anyone uses fair use presume it isn't yeah oh yeah that's it's the, it's the quickest it's the safest and quickest route just presume presume it isn't because yeah. the the courts can't even decide yeah. it, uk and us law cannot decide what fair use is yeah. and there's been there's been so many cases not even with fair use but people creating things inspired by other things mm-hmm. has been a has been a nightmare and there's um again I, i'm not going to get get into all of this but there was a a court case where this woman created a very famous series of pictures of babies um creepiest the creepiest thing you've ever seen in your life, but um, someone basically copied it and then copied her style and then created stuff and sold it. And she lost in court, even though it was blatantly rip- ripping someone else off. So the whole, the whole thing's a nightmare and I don't want it ported over to web three on mass. I think we need to, we need to prune it on its way through. Yeah, no, I mean, fingers crossed, as I said, when it comes to creative commons licenses that, like so something something comes across that's like that exp- uh, expressly states nft holders can do such and such rather than a complete well what cc0 says yeah. which is relinquishing all copyright and similar rights to imagery which that yeah. isn't that isn't how yuga and other businesses no, it's not public or, domain. Or yeah exactly it's and i think the the term cc0 has kind of been conflated in that it, within the nft space um different people have completely different ideas of what it means <laughs> because they either are unfamiliar with it being used in cases before nfts or or just assume it's it mm. it means what yuga and other people have intended it to be used for um wait could could i just i just had a thought and i should probably say this off air because we might be able to make millions but could you buy a board ape slightly recolor it and then sell it on as, NF- as NFTs as like a, a break off. Presumably you can. Like, why couldn't you? And you? And change the license so that you have complete creative control so no one can ever do the same to your your NFT. I mean, why couldn't you? That's, that's an interesting idea. I mean, I know that... Less bored apes. <laughs> I know that... Um, Slightly amused apes. Sorry, go on. Yuga have, Yuga have gone to court with... Um, I can't remember the name of the guy, um, but the, the, the guy who's doing all the Nazi accusations at the moment. I think he used to be... Um, I don't know if he used to be hold or not, but he created basically like one of those duplicate ape collections, and then Yuga took legal legal proceedings against him, and been like, "Hey, you know, you should you shouldn't be making derivatives of our of our NFT." So I I know in in, in some ways Yuga are trying to protect the rights that they have over there. But again, this is what such rights? a exactly this is such a difficult <laughs> legal what rights. They don't have any anymore. If they have if they have a CC zero license, then what license do they have to protect the image? I, I, we, we need you could. The CC0 says you can, mod- in fact, there's a lot of CC licenses, not even just CC0. There are a lot of CC licenses that say you can modify and adapt mm-hmm. um, artworks. So I imagine you could create what? I but don't know. Does, maybe does, it is distinct. Does that allow you to sell derivatives though? Or is it just to own and create? Well, that would come under Do- commercial use. And that's a yes, yeah. allegedly. 
I, but I, I we, we really need a solicitor. Yeah, we, we need we need some sort of Web three legal expert on this podcast. Yeah. If there are any out there, so I mean, if you're yeah. listening and you know someone, please let us know. Because um, yeah, we'll do a follow up episode. Yeah, we're we, confused. We should, yeah. we should definitely do one. But I think the the kind of the point of why we brought these two topics up. I mean, one, um, what PseudoSwap are doing, and both a CCO, uh, CC zero rather topics are kind of you know they're being widely talked about in the nft space at the moment and i think it's important to bring them up but mm. i think from a creator point of view um i mean as we said on the zero percent or you know i'm not sure what your opinions on this are Rob, but for, on the zero percent thing i think it's very important for creators to to build a community that values not just their work but them themselves um, mm. Even if the the artist is anonymous, and there are some very big um, anonymous artists, oh, sorry, pseudonymous artists mm. in the NFT space, um, but what they do is still very valued. And mm. I think different subsects of creators have a different idea of exactly what we value art more now means in Web3. Some of them think it's, hey, I can use any avenues at my disposal to get the funds that I believe are fair recompense for my work, whether that's on, on the initial sale or in perpetuity. Um, whilst for others, it's like, well, hey, I want to, I want to make it fair for my collectors, but I still want to get, you know, a, a, a little, you know, one percent, two percent here and there, which just helps mm. to support me and my work. I think over time, um, there'll be a more general consensus of what. Um, the Web 3s attitudes as a whole are towards that topic, but for now, it's uh, it's a lot of entrenched camps shouting at each other over Twitter, which doesn't help anybody. Shocker. <laughs> um, but with with CC Zero, I mean, it's I mean, it's a, it's a well, I was going to say it's a viable option for for any NFT collection, but I think with the discussion we've just had, we don't even understand exactly. I'm what, not what sure. No. So, but I, I think it is it is important to to bring up that I think that's a, that's a format of utility that I've seen within blue chips. I think other collections could also be, um, be utilizing. Let's say, there's some very cool art-based collections on, on wax and the, um, you know, the artist in those cases have a full rights um, behind their images. And let's say if somebody wanted to create a, a t-shirt with the NFT that they hold um, on it, um, that creator or the artist is fully within their rights to sue the hell out of them but mm. i think it's i, I do think it's uh, an area of untapped potential for, for for good artists or even you know artists that create something that is um you know starts becoming widely recognized in the nft space i think it's a, it's an interesting way to um add value to your collection in a way that you don't really have to do anything yourself as a creator you you're mm. just saying hey you take the nft you own go do whatever the hell you want with it no, I endorse you doing this. Um, I, I think there's a lot of collectors that would jump at that. Uh, just to talk about some of the NFTs. I mean, I've been increasingly getting into ETH lately. Um, there's a, a collection called Lonely Pop, who, uh, for, for something that's going to happen in a couple of weeks' time, and I, I don't want to get too much into it at the moment, but I, I'm going to be using that NFT, um, the Lonely Pop NFT I own, to represent me uh, on a different medium. And I, I let the guys, I let the team know that, and they're like, yeah, that's really cool. By the way, you know, our collection's under cc zero so you know you didn't even need our permission but thank you for letting us know um but i think th th there's so much opportunity let's say on, on wax i got my blockchain brawler let's say i could take my blockchain brawler and create a shirt or create a stuffed toy 
or like I don't know if Wax Studios would do that, but for for small, let's say it's Alien Worlds or our planet or colonized Mars or you know um, Cat Stickers or uh, Mikey Mike or Corporate World or any of these other amazing artists. I think there's there's so much value you can give to your collectors by giving them the permission to do whatever the hell they want with the NFTs that they own. Um, I can understand the reticence from people like Pranksy, which is like, hey, it could be used for nefarious reasons. But I think if we were to adopt that way of thinking towards, I was going to say anything in the NFT space, but I think life in general, we wouldn't do a lot of the things that, um, mm. you know, are, are really cool. And I think, you know, Web3 is built on the foundations of being, you know, an open, transparent, collaborative space where, you know, it's, Everybody gets fairly recompensed for what they do and ultimately gives everyone a lot of opportunity, whether you're a creator, a collector, an artist, um, someone making games. And I think through, through licenses such as CC Zeros, let's not say CC Zero specifically, um, mm. there's, there, there's, you know, expanded horizons of opportunity out there. And I think it's worth creators exploring those options for their communities. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I do think that creating a, a following that values you as the artist is important. I think what Bored Apes did with their CC0, not CC0 license <laughs> has worked fantastically for the, for the record. And I think it was, it did free advertising in a way that you couldn't ever afford to have done. Uh, the, the problem with giving up rights, however, is that not only can things be used for nefarious reasons, um, for example, like they, imagine what those guys would have said if you'd emailed them about the NFT you bought and you were like, um, I'm just getting this printed on my right wing flag for our march on Sunday. Just thought I'd let you know that they get, they've got no, well, they might, I don't know what their license is, but they might have no recourse and they're like, okay. And then imagine it gets, it starts to be associated with that sort of thing. And yeah. it can get you into a really sticky situation. There's uh, another photography example, which, because that, that's all I have to, <laughs> to hand, is um, there was a girl who did a photo shoot with a, with a photographer. And the photographer, it was just, just a, like a, you know, a blonde girl just standing there, nice picture. And he just took the picture and then he put it up um, on. So he got her to sign a model release. So he had full creative control and rights over the image. And then he sold it. Um, to an HIV campaign and they were using her image um, for HIV awareness. So people naturally who saw her might have recognized her from the HIV advert and suddenly, mm -hmm. so, so signing away your rights can be dangerous in ways you might not have anticipated. And, and also I think Bored Apes has got a very strong brand, even though it's quite, diffuse they have a strong brand yeah. and there's going to be a ton of rubbish that's not on brand that's being created and you just hope they don't get popular because it can do damage to your brand but so far they've been a good example of how it can go right uh, i do worry for the smaller artists where it might go wrong and also you might not earn from it being used in ways that goes very right Mm -hmm. uh, so I think, I think you're, you've got twice the risk because if it gets, imagine, you know, um, Universal Records did a label with your NFTs and that's the only cool thing that like, happens. Like they bought, maybe you did a collection of 10 and they bought or 10 and they use it for something like that. And you, you're going to get nothing other than the initial fee. And I, there's a lot of ways for it to go wrong. So I would be, would be careful, but 
Yeah, I said this would happen. I, we're getting to the end of the episode, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, there's some wrong, some right. We don't know what to do. We also no longer. I, I had. I felt like I had a strong understanding of CC zero. Now I yeah. don't know. I don't know if NFTs are just different. Yeah, I, I know that within the NFT space, everyone's always saying, "Oh, we're early. We're early," and everyone says it like it's a positive thing. But yeah. When it comes to topics like this and other such topics that we've discussed on this podcast, it's nothing but a pain in the neck because nobody yeah. knows what's right and what's wrong. And when the Web three mm-hmm. and the NFT space becomes more established. We will know these things, but we don't yet. And we're not in a position to tell people what is right and what is wrong. It's absolutely Mm -hmm. something that we'll keep an eye on and we'll talk about, you know, in perpetuity. But right now it's, it's difficult and we can give you, we can give you pockets of advice and we can discuss the topic as a whole. But I think at the end of the day, whether you're a creator, collector, whoever you are, you need to make your own mind up about, you know, your approach to, whether or not you support 0% creator fees, whether or not you um, support CC0 licenses or other types of licenses. Um, and we can just be a platform for, for you to keep these or consider these things along with us. And please, if you have any opinions on what we've discussed on this episode, then uh, then let us know, either on either of our Discords or wherever you can find us or on uh, on Twitter, on the new account, um, at Mint1Pod. Um, just before we get into the outros, um, I, this is the second time I'm going to reference this uh, YouTube video on pod. We talked briefly about fair use. I think we need to do a, an episode on it at some point. Was it? At the moment, um, Saskia, who is uh, one of the writers and the owner of the Catstickers collection, is writing an article for NFT Insider about, uh, with our current understanding of the copyright and fair use landscape, what you can and cannot create Um in an nft sense like what you as an artist as a creator can create as an nft what you can't create as an nft what you can sell what you can't mm. sell etc and i think it, it it would be interesting or something to unpack in future but uh anyway back to the video um tom scott's british youtuber did a uh a fantastic video on the uh, just how convoluted and bizarre the the copyright um sphere is and mm. legally where people's footing is um i'll link it in the show notes it's 45 minutes long but um, if you're in any way a creator that does not understand copyright or does not understand what you can and cannot do, it's well worth the, <laughs> well worth the watch. Yeah. I know what video you're referring to. Yeah, it's a very good watch. And also just to uh, throw in, because I've been really anti-fair use in this podcast. Fair use, unfortunately, is also very important. Um, and we do need it for lots of things. Like when you see a YouTuber um, talking about like perhaps they'll they'll look at a, a game that someone's played or like a trailer or these people that um there's there was oh my god every frame a painting it's a youtube channel that's now dead but basically they went through um the most cinematic shots in film history and they couldn't do that without fair use they wouldn't have been able to show the clips they're talking about so Fair use is important, but when people are using it and they would make money off that channel. So you could say it's for commercial use. So it's complicated, yep. but then, you know, taking a Star Wars character, making an NFT and selling it and expecting to keep all the money uh, is naive. So yeah. Saskia, you're going to have to shoot some of those people down. <laughs> but I think, it, as you said, it's, there's a lot of artists coming to do but To be fair, there's a lot of artists that have come into NFTs who are fully clued up on copyright and the correct way to do things. There's also mm. a lot of first-timers and a lot of chancers and a lot of people that have done hobbyist graphic design things who have no idea uh, about copyright and fair use and all the rest of it. And anyway, 
we will get into it at uh, another date. I feel like it could be one of those episodes that's two and a half hours long and we end it just yeah. ruining the idea of doing the podcast in the first place. Tired but, and confused. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, we'll, we'll revisit that in, in due course. But, but there you go. That was episode 35. Got it right mm. this time um, yep. of, of Mint One. I think it, I, even though we've got no solid answers, I think it was a, it was a good discussion. I hope it's given you some, uh, some things to think about. Uh, whatever mm. whatever your stance in the web3 space is so uh rob where can we find you um you can find me on tokengamer.io where we upload daily blockchain gaming content then uh, at tokengamer news on twitter where we talk about daily <laughs> blockchain gaming content uh, as well as some other things and i'll throw a gif here and there because you know that's my second language is speaking <laughs> in gif uh, we have the Wax Companion app, which is on iOS and Android and has push notifications when you make sales. Uh, you might have seen it. Uh, Wax tweeted about it this week, which is very nice of them. And uh, yeah, we, we're very happy with that. And it got some updates coming to it. We also have the projects I've not really been able to talk about uh, is finally going to start rolling out, which is uh, this isn't its name, but it was called Project Wax Account because we're not creative. And uh, it. <laughs> It's essentially a, a tool for um, looking at in-depth Wax analytics, a little bit like in our app, but much, much bigger scale. Okay. Uh, so a little bit like Blocks, you know, you can explore a lot of things to do with your account, but we want to make it as user-friendly as possible. Anyway, that's going to be rolling out soon. So if you're in our Discord, we're going to be pinging people for um, testers and testing, which we will, I'm sure, reward people with. Um, report people with NFTs. I didn't finish that sentence. Um <laughs> The wheels are coming off. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Where else can you find me? I don't know. Next week, you can find me in Cologne with John uh, yes. at Gamescom. So that's going to be something. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting time. I think I, I, I'm not there for the weekend. I think I'm there Thursday to late Friday, I believe. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's going to be it's the first Gamescom post-pandemic. Um, I think they're expecting over 300,000 people. I yeah, I know crazy. that there's there's some large studios that supposedly are uh, having some big announcements there during the week, so it's uh, it's going to be fun. And it I, think, I believe well, it is going to be the first um, Gamescom where I think there's going to be a few people talking about NFTs and blockchain games and Web three. So yeah, there's we, there's we'll, a we'll bigger see. there's a bigger Web three presence than I thought. Like I'm I'm making um, I'm setting up a load of meetings. It's I'm on this app that um, Josh from Strat Studios introduced me to, and it's it's like tinder for business and you're just setting up these little business dates that are half an hour windows and i'm getting a ton of requests from people in web3 so there's there's a lot of people there immutable are there i think polygon are there josh is obviously there um there's tons of big and small names nft collections marketplaces there's there's a lot of stuff and a lot of people are you can on this app you can tick things you're interested in um, as in people can approach you because they work in certain areas. You can mm-hmm. say, I'm looking for a publisher for my game. If you're a publisher, come meet with me. And there was a section for blockchain and you'd be surprised how many people ticked blockchain. Um, Interesting. In- including, I've got meetings with some like, companies that I didn't even, they've not mentioned it publicly yet. So uh, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be exciting for that. I'm there from Tuesday till uh, Saturday. So we will have some overlap and we'll try and weave in a, a podcast live at well, not live, but we can do live. But um, uh, at Cologne, yeah, yeah. Um, so, where can people find you, John? So, for the latest NFT news, you can head to nftinsider.io. Um, 
uploads have been a bit sparse this week because I've been out and about in areas with uh, with poor internet connections, let's say. But <laughs> we're getting back on track, and we have some interesting things coming up: some some interviews, some reviews, some uh, some news pieces, some analysis, all sorts of little bits and mods. I think your piece on digital sharecropping is coming up this week as well. Um, oh, nice! Is, uh, very very intriguing read, let's say. Uh, I'm still on- petrified about that. Just just as a little aside. I once had, so I, I wrote on share, digital sharecropping in the photography sh- sector, shocker. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had one person who was like, you can't use the word sharecropping even with digital in front of it because it references um, like slavery and, and like oppression. And they were really upset that I was trying to repurpose a word with such a dark history. And I didn't coin it, by the way. <laughs> Someone else did. I was yeah. just using the term. But now I'm, I'm a bit worried. Now I'm still I'm still worried that someone's going to be like I can't believe you'd be so insensitive. Anyway, uh, I just thought I'd voice that concern. So now I've probably tripled the chance of that happening. <laughs> I suppose we'll see when that uh, when that article goes live. But uh, yeah, all sorts of uh, exciting things to look forward to on uh, on nftinsider.io. But our socials it's at nftinsider underscore io on. Uh, twitter and instagram also now on tiktok we haven't published any tiktoks yet but there you go you can go follow us there in anticipation <laughs> of some tiktoks um giveaways daily tweets about what's going on in the space etc etc you know this by now um for me personally it's at hydropowered h-y-d-r-o-p-w-r-d on twitch twitter instagram clubhouse tiktok other platforms of note um Again, uh, Twitter is the best place for me. Um, daily tweets on kind of the state of the space, my thoughts, safety stuff. Uh, pro- I've definitely tweeted about pseudo swap and CCOs as well, so you can get some further thoughts from me on that there. Um, and yeah, there, there, there's a lot, there's an awful lot going on. <laughs> some of which, um, some of which I've have talked about in terms of. You no know, articles and things to look out for, but some of which I can't just yet. But uh, in due course, of course, I'll let you guys know. But that is everything from me. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm going to try and do the exit. I've got, I've got to do this. I've Ooh. got to master this exit. Because <laughs> I don't know if you've seen like my, my YouTube videos. Um, oh, yeah, we're on YouTube. Token Gamer. Um, look us up. We do YouTube stuff. Um, at the end, I'm like, uh, the, okay, that's I'm, I'm done. Bye. Like, I, <laughs> like I, I, don't, I don't know how to do it. So... Right, let's let's try this. Let's try this. No matter what, this is staying in. Even if I tell okay. you, you got to cut it. You got to keep this in. Okay. Sure. Here we go. <laughs> oh, this is terrible already. Okay, that's all from us, guys. And hopefully, you'll tune in next week. We've been the Mint One Podcast. Rob and John. Thank you and good night. Bye. It's not bad. Please, please cut that. It's not bad. Not bad at all. I can't do the radio voice. You, you go into a radio voice. <laughs> I don't know how. I can't do that. I don't know how I've obtained that. It's just. No, I've, I've never mastered the radio voice. <laughs>